Hello and welcome to the Gusto Tech Podcast Season 2. Today we're talking with Kathy Pendleton. Hey, how's it going? Very well, thank you. Good. I was going to say, normally I have to ask people a lot about how they came to be at Gusto and things like that, which we will still cover. But um, luckily, I know Kathy quite well from that regard. But we've got a mixture of questions about you, the role at Gusto, and just outside of Gusto as well. One of the ones that's nice to start with, um, it's a bit random, but how do you start your day? Oh, so that very much depends on whether my children have woke up at the same time as me or not. So in an ideal world, the children are still asleep. My alarm goes off and I'm able to actually scroll through Facebook, catch up on social media, have a nice shower, get myself ready, all before I wake the children up. In reality, they've woke up 10 minutes before the alarm. Um, They've come in and woke me up and started immediately demanding. My youngest absolutely loves Pokemon, so I generally get a Pokemon rundown from about 6 o'clock in the morning onwards which means that by the time I start work at eight o'clock, I feel like I've already done a day's work, to to be honest. Oh, no. Love that. Love that. Um, And I know quite a lot about this, but for the group and for the people listening, what were you doing before you moved to Gusto? So I previously worked for Compare the Market with the Meerkats. Um, They were based out of Peterborough. Um, I did the same thing as what I've been recruited to Gusto to do, which is to actually build out a data governance function from scratch. The role was slightly different at Compare the Market because I also dealt with cybersecurity and data privacy on top of data governance. I was there for just over three and a half years. Um, I succeeded in what I set out to do, which was to create a team. The team grew from just me to 17 people in those three and a half years. Um, And I believe they're now confident enough with their offering that they're beginning to enter industry awards and competitions. And it's really great to see all my old team out there on the event network doing their talks and, and really coming across as the absolute professionals I knew they were. Love that. Wow, that's a big team, 1 to 17. That's crazy. And then how did you end up at Gusto? So I really enjoy building a data governance function from scratch. So once we've got a team established, we've got the strategy in place, we've reached our maturity target, we've got some tooling in place, everybody just knows what data governance is in a company and it all just runs behind the scenes. I start to think about my next challenge and where I want to go to. So I'm always building a team with the idea that they are going to continue to develop their careers and become managers and and really start to push me out of my role. Um, So when Compare the Market decided to do a big reshuffle um, during COVID, I popped my hand up and said, actually, I think now might be the right time for me to go. Um, It was all very amicable. I had plenty of time to go out in the market and find a new role and plenty of time to train up my manager to take my role at Compare the Market. So I love it when the timing's right, everybody's in agreement and you can do a really nice, clean exit from a company. And I was really lucky that Gusto happened to be hiring at the same time. So um, 
One of the things that you'll find when you're in a position like that is that you're able to be really choosy about the role that you want to go to because you're in control of the, the timeline and the path that you're taking. So I very much wrote a list of what I wanted from my new employer. Um, COVID affected that a lot. The list that I wrote to come to Gusto is very different than the list I would have written pre-COVID. I found that work-life balance, working from home, being able to finish on time, not having to deal with out-of-hours incidents, they all started to become things that were featured really high on my list post-COVID that I never really thought about pre-COVID. They were just part of the job pre-COVID. Um, so I wrote my checklist. It was very ambitious of what I wanted a new employer to provide for me. Um, and I basically went out into the marketplace and started to check companies off against it to see where I could get. And I'm happy to say that Gusto ticked quite a few of the boxes. Hence, I started talking to yourself, Harriet. <laughs> Go Gusto. And I have the privilege of knowing that you had a few options, actually, when it came to actually making that decision. Do you remember what made you pick Gusto? Yeah, so it was really very close. Um, with COVID, things have changed in the marketplace for data governance and data privacy functions, and we're really in demand. Um, so I actually ended up with seven offers on the table during the process. Um, and I was open and honest with all of the potential employees, what was working for them and what wasn't. And the thing that really swung it for Gusto was actually my now line manager, Rob Barham, contacting me continuously through the interview process, as well as yourself, Harriet, um, and really talking quite openly about what was working, what wasn't, what needed to be tweaked. Um, and that, that's what won it over. Um, Gusto were not the highest offer. They didn't offer me the most flexibility. They didn't offer me the biggest or grandest job title out of the pack. Um, but they presented a human element to me that really made me want to come and work here. And like I say, pre and post COVID, my attitude towards what I wanted from a role had changed and people were featuring much higher in that must-have list, so the right cultural fit, knowing that I could bring my authentic self to work, knowing that the people that I was going to spend 40 hours a week with were people that I might choose to actually go and have a drink with at the weekends. Um, so Rob and yourself were really key in that. I also did a little bit of LinkedIn stalking, you know, take, took a look at the reviews on Glassdoor, spoke to a few of my colleagues in the industry to find out what, what the mood was about Gusto, had nothing but good things and thought, yeah, this could be a company I could get behind. Oh, I'm so glad to hear that because I think that's one of the things that we try really hard to do well and I think we do well is actually being really open and honest and saying we might not have everything or we might not be you know the highest offer as you said the most the best job title but we can probably be pretty sure that you'll really really enjoy it and that you'll be really looked after so that's so nice to hear um I've asked loads of questions now I'll hand over to Mike go for it how long have you been at Gusto now? I started at the beginning of the year in January, so just coming up, just over eight months now, although it doesn't feel anywhere near as long as eight months. Could you describe a bit about what the core of data governance is for you? Yeah, sure. So 
data governance, if you enter that into Google, you're going to find thousands of different definitions of what data governance is. And for me, that's the crux of what actually makes it exciting. Because data governance as a relatively new industry means that businesses can shape the data governance function to deliver exactly what they want it to. So here at Gusto, we've decided that data governance is going to focus on three pillars. The first is data accountability, which covers data ownership and data risk. The second is data trust, which covers data quality and data ethics. And the third is our data literacy, which is all about knowing what data we have, where it's stored, what its purpose and function is, who has access to it, and making sure that as a business we're using a common language when we talk about data. So a really great example of that is customers. When people in individual departments use the word customers, are we all talking about exactly the same data? Is one department talking about unique email addresses? Somebody else is talking about unique households? How exactly as a business do we define customer as a data element? So that's what we mean about common language. So for me, data governance is a team that really understands the data within a business and how the data moves around the business and the value that the data have. We're a team that creates policies and guidance and training and support for all the other teams out there that utilise that data every single day. We're also a team that can help to figure out the solutions that are needed to keep growing as a business and making sure that we always stay the right side of our compliance and risk obligations. The last few years of Gusto have seen some very rapid growth. What have been the challenges that you've noticed about Gusto's existing standing um, and the exciting areas of opportunity for, for improving them? Well, you hit the nail on the head there, Mike, because really the challenge is about keeping up with that scale and that growth that's happened. Oddly enough, data governance is something that everybody does by default. So anybody who's working in data, whether that's an Excel spreadsheet, whether that's a tool of some sort, everybody always instinctively checks that the data makes sense. Everybody wants to understand the data. So the challenge for data governance team is that everybody figures out how to do that in their own way. We've got some teams who are absolutely fantastic at coding and they will automate every process that they can. We've got other teams that really might be a little bit intimidated by the concept of analysing data um, and they might be quite hands off. What we need to do as a business is figure out how to deliver mm -hmm. the data governance and oversight elements in a consistent way that gives our more technical individuals the ability to automate, but also our non-technical individuals the ability to still understand what the data is telling and when there is a problem that they need to escalate. So for me, that biggest challenge is about getting everybody on the same page, in agreement about what we think our practices and processes should be. That makes me think of people, process and platform. Uh, how much of your job is around process? How much is around people and education? How much is the tooling? At the moment, as we're starting out a team, we don't have any dedicated tooling, so we're very much using what everyone else is using. But what we are doing is pulling together our business case this year, ready for next year to bring some specific mm -hmm. tooling in. At that point, what I estimate will be is probably a 50-50 split between managing and operating the tooling versus the people and process piece. Because it's really important as a data governance individual that we can talk to individuals who know nothing about what we do and how we do it. 
and really ask the right questions to get the information out of them so that we can offer the right support and advice. Are there any common misconceptions about data governance? Yeah, so I wouldn't necessarily call it a misconception, but certainly when data governance first started in businesses, they were very much seen as the police of the business, the team that would come and tell you off when you've done something wrong, the team that built bureaucratic processes, lots of forms to fill in to just get to the data that you needed to do your job. Um, I'm very anti that approach. Um, And it's really a relief for me that in more recent times in data governance, we've evolved as an industry and we now very much work flexibly. We work with the teams. We don't um, say no. We say, well, how about doing it this way? We point out the restrictions that we need to adhere to. You know, I am a big supporter of the GDPR regulations and that whatever solutions we come up with as a data-centric business need to really respect the customer's rights under GDPR. So for me, the big thing, the big misconception about data governance is that we are the police and that we will come knocking on your desk and telling you that you've done something wrong and that you should never tell us what you're really doing because we'll stop you from doing it. Um, That is not me. Hopefully you know that just from watching this podcast. Um, And it's certainly not the ambition of the team that I'm building. We're there to support In our manifesto, we talk about everybody that we work with as our internal clients that we are a service provider to. And obviously, you wouldn't want your service provider to simply tell you no. They'd want you to work with them to figure out how you can do what you need to do. Thanks for all that, Cathy. That's really helpful. Um, I am definitely joining the podcast as the non-tech person. So just kind of explaining it in a way that's easy for someone that's non-technical that might be listening to understand. Is there anything you're working on that's most exciting to you? Yeah, so Data Governance team is working on lots of things at the moment. Um, One of the things that we're doing is we're working with the OSP board and reviewing all of our new tooling and software selections. And the reason that we're doing that is because we've already assessed everything that's already in the business. We've identified where there are gaps that we need to fill. But where we have new tools coming in, we want to make sure that those new tools come in already at the level that we're trying to bring everything else up to. So what that means is that I meet with the project managers or delivery managers or project sponsors. I talk them through a data governance framework that is effectively a list of requirements to make sure they understand what that means and they can work those requirements into the project plan. So we currently have a number of those happening at the moment. The other big project I'm working on is is I'm actually working with the security team, with Mona and Charlotte, etc. And we are bringing a new tool into the security space next quarter that will really help us to understand what data we have, where it's stored and what type of data it is. So watch this space for that. The last thing that we're working on, I mentioned briefly earlier, which is about tooling for the team. So we have been pulling together our requirements of what data governance tooling we need. We've decided that we're going to focus on two core areas, data literacy and data quality. We've been reviewing a long list of providers in this space. Um, I've implemented about seven of these tools in my lifetime as a data governance expert. So you may be wondering why I need to go to that trouble to look at everything in the marketplace. The reason is that the technology is moving so quickly. So it was great to see when I started looking around a couple of new businesses in this field that have really adapted to the new technical offerings and are able to be really agile 
giving us a tool where we would use 100% of the capability that we've purchased as opposed to some of the older tools that have been around for a few years where you buy the whole tool but you're really only using about 20% because you're just not as mature yet to use the rest of it. So that's been um, quite a lot of effort to pull all of those requirements together to review the tooling, meet with the vendors, make sure I've got a good understanding and really just squirrel it down to a shortlist that we're then planning to take through to full RFP next quarter. So quite exciting times for us. Very exciting. And I know you've only been here since January, so this might be up and coming and not a thing yet, but do you have a proudest moment so far at Gusto? I do have a proudest moment. Um, I don't know if you've picked up from my vibe, but I really like being a leader of a team. I really like helping my junior roles to excel at what they do and to form a career path within data governance. Um, And when I joined, I inherited a couple of individuals in my team from previous roles. um, And one in particular sat me down at the start and said, I don't want to do data governance. It's not something I'm interested in. And I thought, challenge accepted. Um, So I then spent some time working with him through his development and PDP, um, not being open about the fact that we were working to data governance, but really exploring what projects he could use his skill set on. And the day, six months later, when he sat me down and said, I love data governance, I'm going to build a career in it, was one of my proudest moments. Quickly followed by a couple of months later, same individual telling me that he had now um, been able to get a large promotion with another business in the field of data governance so I wished him well and from what I know and understand he is doing great at his new business so proudest moment was definitely seeing an individual say actually I love this and I'm good at it and I'm going to keep doing it that's amazing that's such a good success story um obviously a shame that they they left but that happens um and we've spoken a little bit about what's changed about your life and what's important to you because of covid is there anything that's changed about working in data governance because of covid or has that remained the same i think that's the thing that's changed is the desire for businesses to have it so when I think back to my previous roles in data governance and why I was hired in to build a data governance function for the relative business it generally stemmed from a bad audit or a desire to um, reach the next level of maturity within whatever framework they were following or potentially they may have had data privacy breaches or were aware that their internal processes weren't as good as they could be. So it was generally coming from a place where there was an acknowledgement that there was an issue that needed to be fixed, which meant that when I joined the business, the first thing that I would work on was whatever that challenge was that had been discussed in the recruitment process. With Gusto, however, and with a lot of businesses out there that are recruiting data governance at the moment, that wasn't the case there wasn't a previous issue or incident that I needed to come in and fix and build a structure around. It was the acknowledgement that with more employees working from home, there wasn't that ability to just turn to your colleague and say, hey, where can I find such and such data? Who do I need to talk to to understand what this metric is? There was more of a dependency on having those policies in place, on having those standard naming conventions, those consistent definitions, So businesses started to realise 
that data governance is a foundational concept. It's something that needs to be built from the start and where they didn't already have it, they started to invest in it. And that's certainly the view at Gusto. We don't have any underlying issues, but we know that if we don't have data governance, those issues may eventually come at the future. Makes sense. And I'm just thinking our questions are about to switch gear to more about you, which is lovely. Um, But I'm just wondering if anyone else in the room over on your side wanted to ask anything um, based off of, you know, what we've learned so far about DataGov. Cool. Anything from you, Mike? Uh, Not specifically DataGov governance related but i'm excited at the idea that you enjoy building teams are there any core principles that you think would be somewhat universal that other people could benefit from for building their teams yes that's really good a really really good question um for me i have a rather non-traditional educational background so for me one of the things that i'm very conscious of when building out a team is that i'm not drawn in to the traditional educational academic route. It's about looking at the experience that an individual has at a whole. And for me, in the data governance industry, because we're still new, you know, you can't go to university and do a degree in data governance. I'm never going to find somebody who's going to present me with a CV that says that they've studied this at university. So I have to look around, I have to look at the skills. But for me, there's one thing that will always win out with a candidate. And that is the little spark in them when they start talking about data. When they start talking about data and sitting in front of Excel spreadsheets and running pivot tables, and they get excited or their cheeks get flushed, that's the bit that I look for. I call it coming over to the dark side. And I can teach anything about data governance. I can teach the tooling, the people, the process. I can teach all of that. But the individuals that are going to do brilliantly in this area are the ones who've got a natural flair for it. So that's what I always look out for when I'm building a team. Somebody with a natural flair, somebody with an appetite to learn, and somebody who has a desire to continue to progress. The other piece is someone who's not afraid to make it up. There's lots of areas of data governance where you can't just go to the bookshelf, pull down a book, and go, right, step one, dummy's guide to data governance. It doesn't exist. You've got to listen to people. You've got to understand the policies, constraints, risks, and compliance, and you've got to navigate it and not be afraid to navigate it and not be afraid to go down a path part, part way and go, hey, this ain't going to work. Let's go back a few and let's go down a different way. There's plenty of people in the data governance industry that are experts at what they do, but it it requires them to think about what the best process is for the business that they're working for. There isn't anything out there that we can just simply copy or replicate in our business because it won't work for us. I've got a follow-up on that. Do you have any kind of first week ritual or things you do when people join your team? Just as a bit of context, Mona gets them to do their, I think it's like the 16 personalities quiz, and then they also have a ritual where they all help her complete wordle which is quite funny um but is there anything you do when someone first joins that's quite fun oh so i don't know whether it's fun or not but generally in my onboarding plan the first area that i focus is on the individual themselves so all the basics so making sure that i can empower them so that they can handle anything that pops up in those first few weeks so making sure they've got access to everything that they need access to that they understand how we work as a team um, obviously google gusto is a google 
business. Lots of people that we hire in come from a Microsoft business. So I give them that time and space and support to be able to transfer those skills because there's nothing more intimidating than starting a new job, having some fear about what's expected of you and then not being able to send a meeting invite out because you don't understand the Google calendar. Um, so for me, the first focus is all about the individual and all about getting them out and meeting the people that they're going to engage with on a day to day and really creating that relaxed environment so that between the two of us, they can come to me with anything, whether that's where is the nearest toilet, what meeting room has windows or when am I going to get paid? You know, any of those questions. For me, that's the first bit. We obviously go out for lunch. I think that's a given, you know, nice little lunch out for a new starter so that we can get to know the team members. Then after that, it's about focusing in on the data governance skills, sharing my own experiences, allowing them to see that I don't know everything, but that I'm still learning on my journey so that they get comfortable with the fact that I haven't hired them because they know everything. I've hired them because who they are as a person and because I trust that they're going to ask the right questions. So it's really about establishing that rapport for me and creating that safe and open environment so that as a team, we can always talk about anything that's on anybody's mind. But I'm going to try Wordle. I'm going to steal Wordle from Mona. That's that's really useful. And shifting gears slightly into more you, there's going to be lots of people listening that might eventually want to work at Gusto or might already actively be trying to apply or just want to learn about, you know, how, how we work here. Do you have any career advice that you would give someone who maybe is earlier on in their data career? Maybe they haven't chosen whether they want to do data gov or whether they want to look at BI, whether they want to do engineering, maybe they're quite new. Is there any advice you would give to someone that was helpful for you? Yeah, so I was given some great advice earlier on in my career. um, And that was that finding the right employer is very much like finding the right partner in life. You need to really understand yourself first. and You need to understand what's going to complement you. Otherwise, you're never really going to be happy. So that would be the advice that I'd give to anybody out there. Get to know yourself. Get to know what you want. Don't settle. The other bit that I'd say is go on dates. So don't just have one interview and make your selection of who you're going to spend the next few years of your life with. Really, really embrace the interview process. Ask those questions. Ask for another session. Make sure that you get to know that people. Treat it like a dating situation. Um, But most importantly of all, get to know yourself and what makes you happy because once the years have gone by, you're not going to remember the project that you worked on, the X amount of revenue that you generated, the bonus that you were given. You're going to remember the people that you worked with, the nights out, the celebrations, the awards, the new babies, the marriages. That's what's really going to make you remember the, the sort of employment and the jobs that you had. Um, So, yeah, treat it like a relationship. Don't settle. Make sure that you do lots of dates. Make sure that you get somebody that compliments you. And then ultimately you'll be happy. Very inspiring. I love that. There are a couple of more you-focused questions now, which I'll kick off with. Kind of you, kind of Gusto-related again, but do you have a favourite Gusto recipe? I do. (laughs) I do have a favourite Gusto. and I'm a little bit embarrassed because when, when I hear other people ask this question, they come up with some of the fantastic gourmet meals that we offer. Um, and I like to think that that's the sort of person I am, 
But actually, the one that I love the most is the peri-peri chicken pasta, (laughs) uh, which I know is kind of like answering pot noodle to that question. But I love it. And it is so quick and easy. Um, And in our family, we are quite environmental. Um, So I love the fact that I can actually use my leftover chicken from a Sunday roast and use the gusto recipe and recreate it. Uh, My kids love it as well, which is fantastic, because although cod and chorizo... Um, meal is lovely it's not something I can spin up in 10 minutes on a busy summer holidays lunchtime to feed the kids so peri peri chicken bake all the way I'm afraid and on that peri peri bombshell unfortunately we need to say thank you and goodbye to Kathy because we've run out of time the Tech podcast is aimed for about half an hour and that's not the reason we've run out of time we've run out of time because of a tech fail Yeah, unfortunately, uh, being the not full-time podcasters that we are, I made a slight mistake and uh, failed to make sure there was enough spare space on the SD card when recording this. So sadly, we don't have a good high-quality recording of the rest of the interview. We'll do better next time. (laughs) 